Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Facing Evil, a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show and do not represent those of iHeartRadio or Tenderfoot TV. This podcast contains subject matter, which may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Facing Evil. I'm Rasha Pecorero. And I'm Yvette Gentile. And today's episode is beyond special to us. And this episode is going to be a two-parter because it has been a long time in the making for this particular one. Yes, it absolutely has. And we are finally giving our Root of Evil and Facing Evil fans exactly what they want. An in-depth look at the making of our hit podcast, Root of Evil, the true story of the Hodel family and the Black Dahlia. And the best way to do that is to have the creator, the man himself, the producer, the writer, the director of Root of Evil. Mr. Zach Levitt is here with us on Facing Evil. E como mai? I am so excited to be here. I, I thank you for asking me on. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about what was such a a special time in 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 my career and my life, and getting to know you guys and 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 making this show. And this is sort of the conversation that. <laughs> I've been waiting to have for a while to talk about the making of the show and and what we went through and the journey and I'm I'm really excited so thank you for uh for having me on. Well, thank you thank for you. being here. <laughs> yeah, like this like you said this is been years in the making. This conversation every single listener is going to want to listen in on because we're going to answer all of the questions and Yvette and I get DMs, messages, calls, all the things on the daily. And we have been getting all those since 2019 when Root of Evil came out. We're going to answer everything. And more importantly, we're going to have that amazing conversation with you, Zach. And we're going to talk about everything that was left on the cutting room floor of Root of Evil. A lot of people don't know what was left on the cutting room floor is monumental to the story and to our lives. And... We're going to answer that big question. Who was our mom's father? Was it George Hodel? Was it her grandfather? Or was it not? We're going to get into all of that today. (laughs) Zach Levitt is a two-time Emmy, Peabody, NAACP Image, and New York Press Club award-winning documentary film and podcast creator who has helmed some of the most popular and acclaimed documentaries of all time. Zach's hit podcasts include Gangster Capitalism, The Sunshine Place, Relative Unknown, and our smash hit true crime podcast, Root of Evil, The True Story of the Hodel Family and the Black Dahlia. And next up for Zach, not only is he creating, producing, directing all the things, he is finally stepping in front of the mic as the host of the highly anticipated podcast, The Set. So prior to you making podcasts, Zach has made documentary films from his time with the NBA. So we're talking about 
30 for 30, Clutch City, Bad Boys, The Doctor, Dr. J, Dr. Julius Irving, who (laughs) I just have to say was my dad's favorite along with mine, The Dream Team, The Announcement, and Once Brothers. I mean, Zach, you have stood out as a fierce force and a tenacious storyteller, Zach. But what I really love most about you, and this is This is so true, and it's in your bio, but you can work with the biggest names in the entertainment, but then you can work with unknown characters like us, but you bring everybody's story to light, and we feel that in all that you do. Like, there's heart, there's grit, there's connection, and that is a a storyteller at its finest, Zach, so... Well, here's what I'm going to say. The next time I have a massive crisis of confidence on the the next project that I do, which there will be because it always comes where you say this is not going to be good. Nobody's going to want to see or listen to this. I'm going to listen back to that. intro. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, That's super kind. And, um, you know, I I mean, I I think for me, I go into every story beginning with a sense of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Who are the people? That's really what I connect with, whether it's a it's a former basketball player or or athlete or the two of you or anybody that I have, you know, put into one of these stories, it's a curiosity about your lives and what you've been through and, and you know, gaining that level of understanding to be able to convey that to the audience is what I love about what I do more than anything, making those connections. And, you know, the greatest thing to me about these stories and working on documentaries are, are the relationships that you make, you know, and here we are five, five years later, yeah. From when we first spoke on the phone. <laughs> right. And I first came out to San Francisco and LA to meet up with you and 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 do these these shoots, these these recordings. Here we are five years later, and that relationship has has grown to this point. And I love that about Docs because it's such a intimate task. It's such an intimate journey to to get to know the people on a level where, you know, you can trust each other mm-hmm. in in the telling of the story and and trust each other with your deepest darkest secrets and your <laughs> you lives and them. your past and, you know, and that's a that's a big undertaking and I, you know, I, I that is certainly something that I hold as incredibly important and uh I love the fact that I have been able to to continue these relationships through the years. And that, that's a really rewarding part of what I do. Being able to 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 follow along in your lives as well. And look at, I mean, now you have your own podcast. And <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Zach Levitt, I know, <laughs> for introducing you. us to Mr. Donald Albright. <laughs> no, it's because of what you've been able to do. And, and people have made that connection with the two of you. And they hear the know, the warmth in your voices and the, and the sincerity. And, and so I, I'm just, it's a stretch to say proud parent, but that's sort of what I feel sometimes. You know? I know. Proud I brother. Know. Proud, proud brother. Family. Yeah, absolutely. That's a much better analogy. So that's super rewarding for me. So this, this is like full circle. It is full circle. And you're, you're a true storyteller. Exactly. And I, I was going to, that was going to be one of my first questions for you, Zach, is because you have this you know, immense body of work, right, where you started in the NBA, right? It was all about the sports and the basketball. And then I guess my question is, how did you transition from, you know, documentary films to podcasting? How did that come about? Yeah. So, I mean, I was lucky in a sense when I began working in in production with the NBA I always wanted to get into production. I just, I didn't know anything about it. So, you know, how do you, how do you break your way in? And so working at NBA Entertainment was the perfect opportunity. I mean, I'm a huge basketball fan and it afforded me the opportunity to, to learn production from the start, you know, as a, as a, as a production assistant and work my way up. And, and I realized that I loved to do it. I loved pulling overnighters in the edit room and <laughs> making the deadline and and trying, you know, just trying to work on being an actual storyteller. And so I, I was able to to do that and and 
had that tremendous opportunity to to make some 30 for 30s and 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 these other films and through that I sort of wanted to branch out. I didn't want to do sports stories anymore at that point. In fact, the ones that I did, I was always sort of searching for an angle to connect in a more human way, you know, uh, rather than at the heart of the story. Yeah, rather than portraying a, a basketball player. Who is this person? And so that that has always been what I've been drawn to. And at a certain point, I had made the decision that I wanted to do that in a different way. And this opportunity became available to, to come on and start an originals uh, division for Cadence 13. And initially it was going to be sports stories. And I said, well, I, I kind of want to do other stuff. And, and uh, Chris Corcoran, who, who hired me, to his credit, he just sort of said, that sounds great, whatever you think. And having said all that, as I'm you know, having these talks to come on board, talks were already going on behind the scenes between Cadence 13 and TNT for a sister podcast, which sounded really cool. <laughs> I can actually picture where I was in my old house, standing in the room, having this conversation, asking the question, well, are any of the family members around? That's exactly what I was going to ask. Like, take us back to that moment, right? When you decided to do this. Yeah. When I read your mom's book, as I said, I was fascinated. And I'm like, wow, there is a lot here. <laughs> right. <laughs> One little layer of the onion. Exactly. It was the first layer of the onion. But I was devastated that, to find out that your mom had passed. Because my initial thought was, she'll tell her own story. Yeah. Right? She's never done this except for her book. And, and that'll be really interesting. And I knew from her book that she had a daughter named Yvette. I know. I'm not. I'm barely mentioned. I'm in the epilogue. You probably didn't read the epilogue. <laughs> so I remember on that call with TNT, they said, well, we'll put you in touch with the girls. And you're like, the girls? What do you mean girls? There's more than one? And yeah. I said to myself, oh, shit, like, how am I going to incorporate two of them as potential hosts? <laughs> you know, what is that going to look like? So there, all of these things were s swirling in my mind in the background as we had our first conversation. And I'm trying to remember, I think I may have spoken with Sam Sheridan prior to speaking. with. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. So Sam Sheridan was the writer and I think the EP... And showrunner. Oh, I am the night. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I spoke to him. I remember the first question I asked him was, can you send me your reading list? Like all the books that you read to write I Am The Night because I, I need to start researching. And so he sent me a whole list of books and I went out and I, I read all of them. And it was such a wide range of topics from surrealist art to, mm -hmm. to the history of LA. And, you know, I found a bunch on my own that I read as well. And and one of the things that he said on that conversation, and I was just, I mean, I, I'm trying to sort of jump on the treadmill as it's speeding along. And we've <laughs> right. been writing this thing for however long, a year or longer. I know that. You worked with mom for a year before she passed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, any story that I do, my first thing is to do research. And mm -hmm. I, I try to literally read everything possible that's ever been written about th those topics. So that, you know, if I'm going to tell the story, I have to be an authority on that story. Yes. But one of the things that he mentioned in that conversation was, so I just spoke to the girls, Rasha and Yvette, and I'm saying to myself, okay, Rasha, I didn't know there was a second daughter. <laughs> and... He said, they told me that they just went on 23andMe. They just uh -huh. submitted their DNA to 23andMe, but I told them not to check the results until they speak with you. We actually had it done before mom passed, but yeah, but we hadn't checked because some things were coming up real funky and we're like, oh my God, this is going to prove that George was mom's father. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I said DNA results, what are, you know, what is that all about? That sounds interesting. And it <laughs> sounds like it could be an interesting sort of reveal for the podcast. I'll just talk to them. I don't even know DNA results for what. Right. Again, I remember where I was the first time we spoke. I was sitting in my car in the parking lot of the library in the town that I live in <laughs> because I had just taken out a bunch of books and we spoke and I remember feeling this utter sense of warmth emanating from the two of you. And you were both open to any idea that I had and ready to ready to really just tackle the story and go wherever I asked you to go and and whether it was fly to to LA or or uh, down down to San Fran from Portland or whatever it is, whatever it was, you you were both ready to do anything. And I asked you, you know, if you would be willing to be the hosts. Wait, 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 wait. I got to throw this in. So I remember where I was. I was in my car as well. It, You know, this is before 2020 when everything shut down. San Francisco was still bustling. People were walking everywhere. And we were getting this call from Zach Levitt. You know, Sam said, you're going to get this call from Zach Levitt. He wants to talk to both of you. And I just remember feeling so, I always like to describe it as just you cradled us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you made us feel so at home in that very first conversation. From that moment, we, you know, literally fell in love with you. And Instantly. you know, that, that doesn't happen often, but we could tell that, you know, you were a solid, solid guy who really wanted to do the story right. Thank you. And you have to remember, too, <laughs> we have to tell our listeners this story. I remember, and I don't know if it was in that first conversation. And yes, I remember where I was. I was five feet from where I am right now since I'm recording in my closet. I was in my bedroom. <laughs> and I, I was instantly captivated by your voice. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I could listen to you talk for hours. But... I remember you saying, and I don't remember if it was that first. I know, Zach. I know you don't like your voice, but I Except love your that, voice. Zach. Except that, Zach. Accept it. You're a podcast host now. You're in our same realm. But I remember, and I don't remember if it was that very first conversation or the thousands we had after that. But you're like, all right, Yvette and Rasha. Like, I, I'm not sure which one of you I'm going to pick as the host. Wow, I don't remember that. I was probably like hedging my best or something like <laughs> right. You know. and and we're like, yeah, you know, it's we're we're just happy to be a part of it. And mom, you know, it's like she knew what a podcast was before podcasts existed because she started recording and making all these recordings for years and years and years. And you know, Yvette and I have never had jealousy, anything like that, or like never never any competition. So we were like, okay, well, whoever, yep, whatever. And then you were like, nope, it has to be the two of you. I mean, you tell us. like, Yeah, well, I do remember that part because, and I think I told you this early on when we, when we first met, I've never seen siblings, and I, and I have a brother that I'm super close with, but I've never seen siblings. There is no competition. Yeah. There is no jealousy. There is nothing between the two of you except this 
like I said before, this warmth and you weren't proscriptive about it. Like, you know, we do everything together, but it was evident right from the start that this is how it had to be because you were finishing each other's sentences. And I mean, it was like, it it was like you were twins or something, but yeah, the, the energy, I knew that having the two of you together and, and and also you leaned on each other emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. We just lost mom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you were both in there for each other. And then hearing you talk about one another, that was the selling point. And, you know, I do have to say, because there was there was a consideration, like, you know, early on, you know, when I took the job, it's like, okay, everybody's got a podcast, right? It's, it's like a running <laughs> right. joke, yeah. social media or wherever, you know, listen to my podcast. And, and, you know, everybody sort of takes that opportunity to put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and to be, you know, to have their own podcast and to be a host. And that was never really a consideration for me, especially with this story, because one of the things, you know, when people ask me, you know, what, what is sort of one of the overriding thoughts that you have as you're making these stories? And I always say, get out of the way of the story. Uh-huh. And again, it sounds, you know, it sounds cliche and it probably is, but for me, it was like, you know, if I can get the people that I need to, to, to open up and to talk, the story's great. And what, what the hell can I add to it other than putting it together and writing it and sort of shepherding it? But it's, it's not my story to tell. So it was never going to be a consideration for me to, to host it myself, mm-hmm. which is funny because I have come full circle on uh, now with, with, uh, which we'll talk about later, the, the the set coming out, which I'm which I'm hosting. But the other thing was that I absolutely hate my voice. Hate. I love like, your voice. I know, we love your voice, Zach. When I listen to it. You're just a perfectionist, Zach. And I have to say that right now and put that out there. Like you are a perfectionist because you're a true storyteller and you want to get it 100 million percent right every single time. That's true to, to my own detriment sometimes. <laughs> but in addition to hearing, you know, the way the two of you interacted with one another, it was also your voices. I was like, holy shit, your voices are so good and totally ready to do this. And so, yeah, we were we were sort of off and running. But of course, at that point, I had no idea who was who and how deep the story would get. Right. And, you know, talking about that on that level, we... And I mean, I'm going to speak for Yvette here, and I know she'll chime in. We never thought that our Hodel Ohana, our Hodel family, would sign on. Only because Yvette and I have, well, I've been much more open than Yvette, but our mom, you know, told everyone she ever met her story and wanted to hear other people's stories as well. But everyone else was much more private. So I would love to know how. You got our great uncle Steve, our uncle Peace, our uncle Love, our <laughs> you know Uncle Joy, our our aunt F two. Everybody, like how how did that happen? Well, first of all, when I heard from you that you had uncles named Peace, Love, and Joy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> myself. I grew up in Woodstock, New York. I mean, the land of, of the hippies. And you've never heard of a peace, love, and joy? You know, I knew a lot of people with some interesting names, but when I heard that their their names were peace, love, and joy, I said, okay, that's interesting. I at least want to talk to them. That's mm-hmm. That's really interesting. But before I even got there, I knew I wanted to speak with Steve, yeah. with, with Uncle yeah. Steve Hodell, yeah. because I knew that, in order to tell Fauna's story that, you know, the Black Dahlia had to be a part of it. Absolutely. Mm. Obviously, that's going to be the thing that people recognize. And, and it's a Trojan horse, really, right. to tell this bigger story of the family. And I also, with or without Steve, this was always going to be a story about family. Yeah. Because there was no way that I was going to just do a Black Dahlia story. It, it had been done so many mm-hmm. times. I knew I could bring some level of authenticity to it, but if it were just about the black black dolly, it was going to be viewed as some something sensational mm-hmm. and and 
you know, capitalizing on this gruesome unsolved murder. And, and I, I did not want that. Neither did we. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's what we connected on for sure. And, and I think when I, when I told you that I really wanted to tell the story of the family, you know, my sort of entry point was who would give away this baby to, right. you know, to a family in Sparks, Nevada, Nevada, a black family and tell them that she's black when she wasn't mm-hmm. and put her through this turmoil of having no idea who she was. And, you know, what is that all about? Like, why, why would that happen? And, you know, you mentioned the onion analogy before, and it's, it's, the first <laughs> analogy. it's like, once you start asking that first question, you're in the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yep. You're in it. Yeah. And the black Dahlia is a whole other enormous rabbit hole that, you know, it's like, you know, once you go in, you can never really get out. In, in fact, once you see the pictures of Elizabeth short, it's hard to get that out of your mind. Yeah. And so in telling the family story, I knew that I wanted to incorporate this investigation. And if I'm telling the family story and the investigation, I have to have Steve Hodell, who literally wrote the book on the investigation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah. Is, and is, of course, part of the family. I mean, the, the idea of a son investigating his own father in the most famous unsolved murder in American history is that alone is enough for a massive story. And then you incorporate all of these other things that we found out. Yeah. So I knew that I really wanted to get to Steve. Yeah. And so once I got Steve, I I, I spoke with Love and Love was generous enough to say that he would do it. And Fauna number two, Deborah Elizabeth, Fauna, she was difficult at first because, you know, obviously her story is so personal and so... Yeah. Devastating and and she wasn't sure that she wanted to tell it and and the last thing that I wanted to do was trigger her by digging into her past her. and re-traumatize yeah. her. Yeah, and I was really really sensitive to that. And so I, you know, I told everybody, look, I I would love to have you all and I don't want anybody else speaking about you or telling your story other than yourselves. Exactly. Yep. Peace and joy were the last to come around and you know, once there was that agreement. I knew it was going to be special because I knew I knew that there was a story that none of them had told that, you know, I was hoping to provide this forum to maybe have some sort of catharsis or 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 to be able to speak about what they'd been through and and have people hear it and let them know that they were fans of theirs. And, you know, and I think that that's you know, I never offer anybody any money. I've never done that once. No, um, it's a documentary. I don't offer anything other than you can finally tell your story. You know, and people are people are going to listen. There's power in that. You know, going into that room with all of us, it was cathartic. You know, at that moment in time, you know, we had never done that before. So that, you know, was a blessing for all of us. But like you just said, everybody will continue to live their lives and and tell their own story in, in, in whatever way that they choose to. We do know that, you know, by doing Root of Evil, there was so much, there was so much there that was left on the cutting room floor. Right, Zach? And we really need to jump into that. Should we start with the six-hour interview I did with, <laughs> with the two of you that I think I ended up using about three minutes of? Yes! <laughs> Because once you were once you were narrating, I, I was like, okay, well, you know, this is going to be even better with with your narration. So I think it's really important. I want to take the opportunity to say this because Zach, what you shared, you know, about the family, Yvette and I have promised the Hodels that we would never speak for them moving on in the future. But with all of the publicity and everything, you know, you're with us. We did Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, the Today Show, all the things. I do want to take this opportunity to say that I learned so much in that process because I realized that what our family, the Hodels, went through is not my story to tell. And they chose to share their story with us, with the world. And anything I've ever said publicly I, I just I just want them and everyone to know that I never, ever, ever intentionally wanted to hurt any of them, ever. 
And I, I know that whatever they choose to do, whatever stories they decide to tell, that we will always support them. Well, always. And I want them to have as much healing as we have and success that we've had and everything. And I just want to send them just all love and light always. So I just really, really, really wanted to say that. And, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to remember you only get one family, right? I want to do the same, Rasha. I, t- I spoke about those relationships and, and um, you know, I know that that some people are, you know, might be more private or or or, or just sort of want to move on. And I, I respect that. And I, I have nothing but love for, for everybody in the Hodel family, those who participated and those who didn't. And to have have trusted me with their stories. You know, it's a scary thing. It's a really it can be a really scary thing to put yourself out there like that. And it takes an insane amount of courage to do that. Absolutely. The bottom line is that all of you are such incredible people in every way. And so yeah, I mean it it all starts from there. And then everything else, you know, God willing can fall into place. And of course it, <laughs> it it doesn't always because they're messy, messy family dynamics, but it's an ongoing process, right? Yeah. If you think about it, like what family has been in a room all together, airing all the dirty laundry, all the dirty skeletons, all the secrets with an award-winning podcast creator and director and all these microphones? I mean, you could have stopped at getting together in a room because very few. Right. right. I was going to say that. Exactly. I would say very few have ever done that. And, you know, there's been so many, you know, different movies, you know, that deals with families and one side of this family doesn't agree with what the other side of the family does. But the most important lesson I think that both Rasha and I learned is you have to respect what other people went through and you can never walk in their shoes. You can only tell the story from your perspective. Your truth. You know? And I think you did that and you you directed us in a beautiful way, you know, Zach. So, and that's why the story was so welcoming to so many. It's hard to distill one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lives into a podcast where there's there's so much there. But yeah, I mean, just as the two of you took this platform, I, I mean, it, you know, I had hoped that it would, would be a platform for for everybody to to sort of run with it in whatever way they chose afterwards. In making it, I knew that it was an incredibly unique, wild story. And we can get into (laughs) a couple of the details, sort of, you know, moments that I lost my shit where I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, us too. But, uh, you know, you never really know for sure when you're making these things, how, how the audience will respond. But I had a feeling that, people would listen because it is such a wild story, but I I, I certainly couldn't have ever anticipated <laughs> the audience that it would have. I want to know what was your oh shit moment. I think my biggest oh shit moment, I decided to put that at the end of episode three. Yeah. You know, I mentioned before about doing all of this research going into the story. And one of these, one of the major topics of research was surrealist art. And I can't remember who I heard it from. Maybe it was maybe it was in Steve's book. I, I don't remember. But you know, look into Robinson Jeffers because he had a he had a poem called Tamar. Mm-hmm. And I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is like, you know, the overriding theme is about incest. And I'm like, okay, this is, you know, this is really strange. Yeah. And then to find out that he had another poem named Fauna, I was like, holy shit. I mean, I remember like losing sleep a lot during the making of this. First, sort of the mental piece of wrapping my mind around the Black Dahlia murder and and the fact that- The darkness, mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and the pictures and how gruesome it was and- you know, really getting into the details of that. But then the darkness of understanding that George could have named his daughter and had a a hand in naming his granddaughter after these poems about incest. Because of the surrealist connection. He had this incest trial in 1949. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, how sadistic 
could you be Mm -hmm. to do something like that? And so I knew that that would have the same impact on the audience. I mean, I'm pretty jaded at this point, you know, <laughs> but, if it rocked you. but if it rocked me, I'm like, it's going to rock other people. And I remember, you know, that was one of the few times I like went on social media after that episode dropped Right yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. It's the only place you can find Zach Levitt. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm not a big social media person. And I remember seeing the reaction, people's jaws dropped. There were, there were like videos of people like, you know, redoing their reactions. Right. And the memes and the gifts. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That was, that was, that might've been one of the biggest moments where I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And we didn't know that either. We knew that George named mom, but we didn't know where it came from. Not at all. Like I didn't. Yep. Well, that's where it came from. (laughs) Yep. Did you know back then that root of evil would change the game in podcasting forever? I thought that it would resonate with people because at the end of the day, it's about a family. Yeah. And as Kelly, Kelly Hodel, Steve's brother says in one of the episodes, like all families have skeletons if you go back far enough. True. And I, I totally believe that to be true. And so, you know, going into this, and I think I, I try to do this in, in all of the stories that I tell, how can I connect with, with people broadly? you know, starting with a story that nobody really has had this experience. How can people connect with a story that is just totally foreign to them? Right. If you're interested enough, you'll, you'll stick around because it's a fucked up story. Yeah. But at the end, let's sort of take this story that is my internal story and let's turn it around and sort of push it out there to you, the listener. And Here's how I dealt with these things. How are how, you know? If I can do it, you can do it. That sort of yeah, thing. And absolutely. I did want to have yeah. a positive message at the end of Root of Evil, and that's what you all delivered so beautifully. Which is, you know, if we can get through this trauma, or if we're willing to talk about it, not get yeah, through yeah. because you know it's it's always a work in progress. But For if sure. we can continue to speak about it and be willing to go to these dark places to help you and to help myself by putting it out there you know, maybe you can do it too. And, uh, you know, I had this sort of idealistic idea that, you know, maybe we could help people along the way. And I think ultimately that's what really resonated with people. It wasn't, you know, because you watch, you you look at the reviews, you look at what people latch on to, and it's not really about the Black Dahlia, even no, though I no. think we sort of put it out there in the podcast that George Hodel was the killer. That's right, what I sure. believe. I know there are others out there that don't believe that. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. 
she would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, shall we? So we want to know the story of what the original ending of episode seven was and what the finale of Root of Evil episode eight was supposed to be. Take a deep breath, Zach. Take a deep breath. That was a difficult moment for me in a lot of ways. So circling back to my first conversation on this project with Sam Sheridan, when he mentioned that the two of you had been on 23andMe sort of digging around, seeing what would come back as far as DNA results. Because of course, your mother, Fauna, didn't know who her father was. Right. You know, when you talk about the elephant in the room, not only did she not know who her father was, she had thought for many years that it could have been George Hodel. So not only would he have been her grandfather, but he would have also been her father, mm -hmm. which would mean that he would have him impregnated his own daughter, Tamar, who gave birth to Fauna. Yeah. Uh, and that is not something that is unbelievable because we know that there was an incest trial in Los Angeles in 1949 where this well-known doctor in LA, Dr. George Hodel, was accused of, of having incest with his daughter Tamar. Yeah. So, and, and impregnating her. And then get and then getting her an illegal abortion. So those are facts. Mm -hmm. And there were witnesses that ended up recanting, even though he was acquitted. Yes. Yes. There was a whole trial as we go through in Root of Evil. So the idea of George impregnating Tamar a second time is not something that is out of the realm of possibility. Right. So we start from there. Okay. Who is mom's father? And so that was something that I thought from the very beginning, if we could answer this, that would be a pretty dramatic way to close out the series. Yeah. yeah. So that was always in the back of my mind. I never knew if we would get there or not. But, you know, we sort of were off and running with so many other beats of the story and, you know, tracking this piece down and interviewing this one and that one and and then I remember when we first got together the first time in San Francisco, we went on the computer and we went on 23andMe and I said, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's see, let's see what we got. Yeah, let's look at it. Yeah, and you guys went on and, and uh, I, I had never been on a DNA website up until that moment. And so I didn't really know what I was looking at at first. And I was hoping to get some sort of reaction from, from the two of you. Like, wh what are we looking at? And it turned out to be a total nothing burger. Yeah, we didn't know. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know. Right. We had no clue. Because there's so many half siblings, all the things. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, it was more like you might be related to this person. You might have this background in your DNA, but it mm -hmm. certainly wasn't going to answer the question of was George Hodel Fauna's father? Right. It was not going to answer that. There was no definitive answer. Yeah. Not without somebody analyzing all that data. So we go through, I am writing the episodes, I'm putting them together, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're building the, you know, the final product. And there was always this idea in my mind, I remember asking the two of you, when was the last time you were in the same room with your uncles and your aunt? And you said, all of us together, it's been decades. 1980s, probably. Yeah. So again, sort of having this idealistic approach of like, maybe I can bring the family together and, you know, heal some wounds and put things back together for them. I mean, it, you know, I had these noble intentions. Maybe I was naive and I certainly didn't, you know, I didn't live the lives that any, any of the Hodel family has. So, but everybody w was into it. Everybody agreed. And I knew one way or another that it was going to be a, a powerful moment. It was. It was very powerful. It was. 
everybody was crying in the room. I was crying. Everybody. Um, I could I could almost start tearing up thinking about it right now, honestly. I me too. Yeah. So we put a pin in the 23andMe thing. Okay, we'll pull that pin, <laughs> that pin out right now. Literally, the day before we were going to record that in the room with all of us together, Lloyd, uh, my producer, found out that we could take Fauna's DNA profile, which you had also uploaded. I should have mentioned that earlier. We weren't just looking at your DNA profiles. Mm-hmm. We had mom's right. DNA we as well as our own. We were looking at mom's DNA profile, which told her her ethnic background and that kind of thing. But we had this digital DNA profile. And if we uploaded it to this other website, it would tell you if you were a product of incest. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't need the answer of, Who? okay, it will tell you that George Hodel is your father. Mm-hmm. But if if the results come back, yes, you are a product of incest. We know who the father is. It's George. Right. 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 So literally the day before we were set to record, Lloyd says, I found this website and I spoke to, and you know, I'm being crazy. I'm like, okay, speak to the person that runs it. Just to make sure. <laughs> I, I was like, look, I'm not going to do this if we're not a thousand percent sure right. that this is right. authentic and not some you know, money grab on the internet or whatever. And, and, you know, I just, I wasn't going to fuck with everybody like that. You know, this is your lives and it had to be accurate. And so Lloyd spoke with this woman who is like the foremost DNA expert. And I, I got on the phone with the two of them and I was able to authenticate it. And okay, this is, this is what we need to do. Because again, like, you know, talking about, (laughs) whether it's surrealist art or these other facets of the story. Okay. Now, now I'm looking at DNA and, and these scientific results that I don't understand. <laughs> how, how can I understand that? So she walked me through it and I said, okay, we now know that if we just click enter on this website, we will have these results. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> because we're all going to be in the room tomorrow together. Right. And Nobody wanted it to be George Hodel of, for obvious reasons. You never want that to be your family history. I mean, it's, it's awful. I didn't want it, but I thought it with every part of my being that he was the father. Right. And we know, everyone knows that I did not. Mm-hmm. But still, you still want confirmation regardless. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to everybody's credit, you were all willing to, you know, to be a witness to that and to go through with it as scary as it is. I mean, God, you know, finding out if this guy that, you know, was a monster could have been the father of your mother. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, going into it with anxiety, trepidation, you know, all of those feelings. But also knowing like, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Right. Let's do it. You've all put your lives out there. And this is a big moment that everybody wants to hear. So did you know the day before? Did you know before we did it in the recording? He did, didn't you, Zach? So I will tell you that we put it in the day before and the results came back while everybody was setting up in the room. Holy shit. So I knew that my reaction was not going to be a part of the podcast and I had to know. So I went in the hallway and I checked. Yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. I knew you knew, but I couldn't read your face. I, that's like. Yeah, I tried to betray nothing. Yeah, I tried not to betray anything. You didn't. Um, and then, yeah, after our whole uh, session um, together, and I use that word because it really felt like a therapy session. It was. Yeah, it it was. absolutely was. Now, here we have this critical piece of information, which is going to be the culmination to the whole story, right? We started with Fauna's story yeah. in episode one that she was given away at birth. Why was she given away at birth? When she finds out at the end of episode one that she was saved by the ghetto, right? <laughs> right. Like that. <laughs> That's right. She was saved by the ghetto. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that her father is, is this awful serial killer. I mean, God, could there be anything worse? So we have this opportunity now to end the series, to bookend the series with, you know, question in the beginning, answer in the very end. 
And I thought that that would be incredibly rewarding for the audience. But more so than that, it was about all of you, like give, providing this answer to all of you that you never had. Yeah. And so there was this opportunity to close the book on these thoughts that you've had all your lives that your mother lived her whole life with. And we can answer that question right here, and we're about to do it. That's right. So let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. We'll continue this conversation on the next episode of Facing Evil, which will be available tomorrow, June 16th. Stay tuned to hear the shocking truth about the Hodel family legacy. Facing Evil is a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The show is hosted by Rasha Pecorero and Yvette Gentile. Matt Frederick and Alex Williams are executive producers on behalf of iHeartRadio, with producers Trevor Young and Jesse Funk. Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay are executive producers on behalf of Tenderfoot TV, alongside producer Tracy Kaplan. Our researcher is Carolyn Talmadge. Original music by Makeup and Vanity Set. Find us on social media or email us at facingevilpod at tenderfoot.tv. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio or Tenderfoot TV, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.